Hi, I'm Josh McDonald. And I'm Randa McIntyre, and we are Hand Therapy Academy. Today we're going to talk about flexor tendon repair complications, some of the things we see the most and maybe what we do for them. Um, Miranda, what would you say is one of the flexor tendon repair complications that you see most often? I think the number one most common complication I see is probably a PIP joint contracture, so from tendon adhesions um, and just a stiff, especially in the zone when we're talking about a zone two injury. Yeah, yeah. How about well, you? I, I think you're right. I think that's the one we see the most often. And I think setting good expectations for patients is important early on, particularly if it's like a small finger. Those are just stiff, stubborn, small tendons. Every ounce of space is accounted for. And so when you add scar into that, um, getting patients to understand like, yes, we want the perfect outcomes. But if we get like a minus five degree extension lag because of contractures or minus 10, maybe that's okay. Uh, but yeah, that's setting good ex expectations initially is important. Right. And I always say, if you know, if you can kind of anticipate what your complications and problems are, you can share them with your patients, but also you can kind of guide your treatment, right? You're like, oh, I know this is most likely going to be a PIP joint contracture. So I'm going to really focus on doing that synergistic or that tenodesis with the full, um, you know, making sure that they get that full PIP joint extension and then doing the protected reverse joint blocking. So I feel like with the PIP joint contractures, you can really anticipate or that type of complication you can anticipate but then there's some of those complications that you can't you don't really anticipate right some of those more obscure rare ones um so i kind of want to talk about those and what are some of those rare obscure things you might see so one of them is going to be a quadrigia um and that's uh, we don't see it a ton but when you are allowed to start do a little bit more range of motion, maybe week three or four, where you're starting to get a little bit more down towards that full fist, if you see the injured digit doing more flexion range of motion into, into that flexion position than the other digits, it might be that that flexor tendon was put on too much tension. And so it bottoms out before the others have a chance to come down with it. So a quadrigia is oftentimes either either too much tension on that tendon or maybe the repair was a little short. Uh, and a lot of times we're the first ones that see that. And then we got to refer them back to the doctor and say, listen, their, their tendon's coming down. Okay. They're seeing their fingers come down. Okay. But the others aren't and it presents like quadrigia. Yeah. And the problem I feel like with those, um, I don't see those very often either, you know, yeah. maybe every, you know, few years. Um, but the problem with those is that you they lose so much grip strength and, you know, no matter what you do, they're not going to be getting their grip strength back because you can't physiologically make that tendon longer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And if it's a barrier enough to their function, it might require going back for more surgery, unfortunately. Right. You know, a tendon graft or um, something like that to make it a little bit longer. Um, so I think that's a really hard one when you have a patient that has that because it is oftentimes leads to additional surgery that maybe they weren't planning on. Yeah. Yeah. Another one is a lumbrical plus finger. And that's almost kind of the opposite. If there's a laceration to that FDP or if the repair is too loose or too slacked, the load of the FDP muscles belly, muscle belly imparts load first to the lumbricals. And so it will tighten the lumbrical and cause that paradoxical extension. So when they're trying to flex, the FDP 
isn't applying load out to the tip of the finger. It's instead applying load to that lumbrical and can give you that extension. And that's something that, again, if that happens when they're trying to flex and the finger goes into extension, not just lagging and it's not coming down, but it actively extends, that's something where they may need to go back in for surgical repair. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like with the um, lumbrical plus finger, uh, when they go into that paradoxical extension, it almost looks like a tendon rupture, right? Um, because you're like, gosh, they, they're not bending at the PIP when they go into their fist. It's kind of a weird presentation. So with that one, I'll check them, you know, in full extension, we'll, and I'll, I'll joint block the patient. I'll be like, oh, their tendons are intact. They mm -hmm. look good. Um, but they're actually going into extension when they come down into the, the full, you know, when they're trying to make the full fist and that finger just shoots out straight. Um, and that's another complication that as a therapist, we can't fix. Yeah. So no yeah. matter how much you try, you know, you want to see that patient more, there's nothing we can really do to tighten that structure. Right. So like I had one guy that he was a tendon graft and the graft just happened to be too long. So, um, and I, there was just nothing we could do and you end up having to go in and have the tendon shortened. And then you're, you're back at square one where you're treating it like a tendon repair. Yeah. Our nature is to be problem solvers and we want to help our patients and help them through things. But there's some things that walk in the door that we say, this is just outside my scope. There's just nothing. I, I mean, if, if it is too long or too short, I can't change that inherent muscle tendon unit length. That may need some surgical intervention. Right. And so with those patients, you know, you might still be seeing them if they have a stiff joint or something yeah. of that nature, because you're trying to get them ready for the next surgery. So it might not mean that you're not going to be still helping with them with things. It kind of depends on where they're at in their recovery, but it might mean that you're helping them get the joints looser um, and you're going to help them to optimize the surgical outcomes for that next procedure. But yeah. then at the same time, you might be thinking, okay, well, how many visits does this patient have, right? So we know insurance with insurances, we're really limited too. So if they only have 20 visits. How are we going to, you know, get them through this next phase? Yeah. Yeah. And you talked before about, you know, if you know that a patient's presenting like they're trending, because we're watching the numbers on a Gilgroth pyramid progression, and we say, you know, there, that PIP is getting a little stuck. We can shift that. I've had patients that look great. And on week three, they come in and something changed and they got stuck. I've had a patient who went in for tenolysis and a second time through something about week three, he got stuck and it's just how his body scarred in. He was getting keloids externally. And I think that's probably what's happening internally. And you don't always know and can have that anticipation. So you're right. You help them through as best you can for prepping for the next surgery, putting them in the best situation for that. But we don't always have a good advance notice ahead of time. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about atenolysis. And um, for those who don't know, that's where they go in afterwards and they scrape the scar off of the tendon, basically to move the tendon and have it move a little more freely. Um, and with that procedure, there's a short amount of time where the tendon is a little bit avascular, right? So they mm -hmm. might um, not have good blood flow. So they're a little bit at a risk for rupture immediately following the surgery. But then it's almost like they do really well that first like two weeks. You're like, this is awesome. This is great. And then that third week they do, they start doing poorly again. And then they usually catch back up and do well again. So whenever I have a patient that's going to undergo a tenolysis, I always tell them, Hey, you know, you're going to be excited. The first couple of weeks we have that motivation. It's moving well. And then it starts getting stuck again. And you're like, I want you to be prepared for that because that's the week when you're going to have to not give up. Right. That's when they yeah. start getting fatigued too, with the exercises. Yeah. yeah. And they figure strict. 
Yeah. And they figure I'm, I'm out of the woods now and they can back off a little bit. And that's exactly the wrong time to back off. Yeah. 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 So I always prep them like, this is not going to be easy. You know, the first yeah. week's going to seem great, but after that, it's going to get hard again. Yeah. And that tenoliasis, when they go in for it, again, about setting expectations, they say that whatever range of motion you have going in, active range of motion, you're going to have 50% more range of motion when the process is done at that eight or 12 week mark post-operative. So don't, we don't want them to come out expecting like, oh, I'm going to have a full, like you're not going in for a hundred percent. We're going in for a little bit more, which is why I need to do the therapy leading into it. Because if we can get you as much active as possible, you'll have likely better outcomes, but we're still not going to be expecting this a hundred percent return after the surgery. It's not that kind of fix. Right. It's yeah. not. That's yeah. what I think people think it is. And it's, it's not, it's hard. It's a tough recovery. Yeah. And so I'm, I, when patients are debating that I, I don't want to sell them on one way or the other. I talk to them about what are you, what are you lacking now? And if you're, and I say, you tell me a number, what percent of function do you have? hundred percent, 80%, 20%. And they give me a number. And I say, okay, if you're going into that surgery with 85% function, you have a certain amount that you could lose. You could come out of that surgery the same, worse or better. The same, no point doing it. Worse, there's an awful lot of room for worse. But if you're at 20% function, there's an awful lot of room for better. So there's some those patients that say like, I want to be 100%. I'm not going to rest until I am. Say, you could come out of this with more scar because it's a new incision and your body's still healing. And so it's it's setting those realistic expectations to say, if you're at 90% and you think you're there, it's probably not worth it. Right. And so for me, I had one patient, he was, you know, he was he was recovering very well, um, but he just didn't have that last like DIP flexion. And I was like, well, you know, that doesn't really matter. And he's like, but it does to me because I'm a flute player. The only thing I want to do is play my flute again. And I can't do that with my finger how it is. And so I'm like, well, you know, for anybody else that might not warrant another surgery, but for him, it was definitely something meaningful that he wanted to get back to. So it's definitely an individualized case by case, you know, make sure you know your patients. Yeah. Did he get the movement back? Uh, yeah, he, he actually had a couple more tenolysis procedures. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually he did get it, but it, it did require more than just one. Okay. So apparently flute players have good insurance. Yes. At least yeah. this one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was definitely an interesting case. Well, we could do a whole separate podcast on all of the uh, all of the complications and stuff that goes into tenolysis. Maybe we'll do another one of those someday down the road. But um, lots of complications. Hopefully, you have an idea now of maybe which ones we can have an effect and an impact on, which ones we can't, and which ones we kind of bridge that gap until they have that next procedure. So, hopefully, you found this one helpful. Yeah. For questions, you can email us info at Ham Therapy Academy or check out our Instagram at Ham Therapy Academy.